Recording in progress. Chief, may I have a riddle for you? What has big round shape, carries man and dog, and flies? May give up. May not know either, but there it is. <laughs> mid-February, and it's Glop Culture. I'm John Podhoritz in New York, elsewhere in New York. Rob Long. Hi, Rob. Hi, John. How are you? I am well, and in Washington, Jonah Goldberg. Hi, Jonah. Hello, John. Okay, I think we need to make a trifecta, a podcast trifecta out of this. Uh, I did a podcast at Commentary in which I mentioned the F Troop commercial on Channel 11 in New York in which somebody uh-huh. says, it is balloon, uh, around the time that the balloon, uh, emer- Chinese balloon emerged over Billings, Montana. Uh, Jonah then went on the uh, remnant and corrected me because I had said that Larry Storch in a Russian officer's costume had said it is balloon. But it You was had the right fact, episode, by the way. It was, in fact, Frank uh, DeFor- Frank DeCoven, DeCoven. who was... Frank DeCova, who was the uh, uh, chief crazy horse. Chief wild eagle. Oh, crazy horse was his sidekick of the Hakawis. That's right. Uh, the uh, Indian the Indian uh, tribe on F Troop that uh, somehow uh, seemed to speak Yiddish mostly. And, uh, and so it was actually the Indian chief who said, it is mm-hmm. balloon. So I had to bring it up on this so that now that Joan and I are together, we can close the circle and have a three podcast trifecta with the It Is Balloon episode of F True. It is balloon. Yeah. So a couple quick notes before Rob joins because I can see him. He's just, just dying to get in on this. <laughs> uh, um, uh, first of all, um, you had the right episode. You just had the right, the wrong person right. saying it. And I was very clear on the run that you told me to listen to the first five minutes of the commentary podcast. And when you were talking about it on there, it was amazing how you completely incepted into my brain the same memory. Like if you had asked me a week earlier, who said it is balloon in that commercial? I'm not saying I would have gotten Chief Wild Eagle. Yeah. But like, I have no idea, but like, like I visually, right. like, I, I, I think about this in the last week because it's like people say all the there's all this BS works. about recovered memory yeah. and all that kind of stuff and how eyewitnesses are not reliable. And it was amazing how you put it in my head. And then I just wanted as a joke to send you the actual clip of Larry yeah. Storch, you know, praise be upon him saying it is balloon. And then I couldn't find it on YouTube because it was, in fact, Chief Wild Eagle. Right. Um. And I also just say the reason they're called the Hakawis is because there's this long shaggy dog joke in the show about how they get lost, they fall off a cliff, and one of them says, where the heck are we? And they become the Hakawi Indian. Tribe fall off a cliff. <laughs> That's when Hakawi gets name. Medicine man say to my ancestor, I think we lost. Where the heck are we? <laughs> where the heck are we? So, yes. There you go. Now, Rob, hold forth about why you... This joins Marvel movies as things you don't want to talk. So boring. Oh no, no, I don't. I I just think if you listen very closely, carefully, right now, you can hear our last listener turning (laughs) off 
the podcast app. It's strange, but I feel like you could probably hear it. Um, no, this is great. This is exactly what uh, what uh, entertainment media needs. More conversations. But although, I mean, you know, I don't know, like maybe they should reboot F Troop. I don't know. That seems like a thing to do now. I mean, but reboots themselves were like these things that um, you could they went never. Through this, no way. You oh, reboot. Never. I know. I know. You can never. I know. Is about. Is about. Here you have. Here's what we have. Post Civil yeah. War. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh. With no black people on that show, right? I mean, yeah, no, right, 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 yeah. right, right. The, the Americans, the Americans, the um, you know, the 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 cavalry is supposed to be rousting out the Native Americans, right? But in, are, and there is a right. clueless captain of the fort who is being played right. by his Sergeant Bilko like underling. Played by Forrest Tucker and that guy's sure. sidekick, played by Larry Storch, who are actually friends of the Hakawi and right. are like right. doing. I, I guess what fun I, deals I guess what I was, right. I guess what I was trying to do is trying to not keep talking about F Troop, <laughs> but I but apparently that wasn't that isn't possible. That isn't. This is going to be the all F Troop uh, glop. That okay? You know, I, okay. <laughs> I'm so in. I'm in as as streaming takes over broadcast and as 10,000 shows on streaming uh premiere every week and you watch five minutes of one and you go eh and then you don't watch it again which seems to be mostly what happens on streaming uh i am being born ever more ceaselessly like nick you know caraway into the past uh and i i find myself finding present day culture stuff despite the fact that there's so much that's much it's excellent and things are so much better than they were in right TV in the 60s right. and 70s they were uh, uh, inarguable but are they funnier are they funnier no first of all they're certainly not there's nothing you cannot name right. a decent comedy actually right. there are there are three decent, there are three decent comedies funny comedies on broadcast tv nothing as far as i can tell on nothing screen. right whatsoever well, just, well night court i haven't seen it yet because i was out of out of the country but night court apparently is doing really really well it's really right night court is hard funny ghosts on cbs yeah is hard very jokes. is cute and funny and abbott elementary i like yeah. hacks i gotta say i mean you like but did you right, laugh yeah. at hacks there were I, I, there were moments where i laughed for i sure. mean it's not a drama but it's but not Funny. Yeah, it's a story, right? It's not yeah, funny. comedy. I think it's comedy. she's good though. She's great. But if Gene Smart knows her way around a joke, the thing about we always say, like we used to say about um single camera comedy, we used to make the, the thing a single on a single camera comedy, you get to go home at six o'clock. Because it doesn't have to be that funny. Because you're like, oh, all we are going for is kind of a wry smile here. But if you're doing a multi-cam comedy, you're eventually gonna be in front of an audience. You just you you, you stay later because you know you know you need a laugh, an actual laugh. A noisy laugh, a laugh that people, you know, uh, that that barking noise the human the, the human makes when the it, it, he or she is amused. So that's the that was always the difference for us. So there's a show that got canceled on Hulu called Reboot. And right, Reboot, now, why, why was that canceled? Was it just not good, or did it not, apparently not it was very expensive and it must not have it must yeah. not have drawn yeah. a crowd? So reboot is literally yeah. about what we're talking about here, which is a a sitcom from the '90s is revived in the 2020s. Uh, the intention of reviving it is to subvert it from within, and then its creator, 
played by Paul Reiser, gets back involved and says, no, this is my show. You can't make this. We're going to make an old show. So it's his daughter right. who wants to make the subversive show. He wants to make the old show. And there is a fantastic episode, the only really good one, a fantastic episode, episode three, where his staff of old Jewish hacks is on one side of the table and her staff of woke humorless lesbians That's is funny. on the other side of the table and they're <laughs> like you know like that uh you know yeah you know, the the old guys are making funny jokes about their prostate they're <laughs> funny they're legitimately yeah. funny and the woke people on the other side of the table are humorless and chilly and just are deeply offended because they're talking about their prostate and their schmeckle and they're this and they're that. And they're all horrified by the retrogressive nature of this. It's the perfect, but the rest of the show isn't very, that's the only funny streaming that's too bad. episode yeah. I like, I think I've ever seen. I mean, that's sort of the running joke of, of hacks, right? Which right. Is but it's uh, right. But I'm just saying this is, this was actually like, laugh out loud funny yeah. you know it was like a yeah, they wanted you to laugh that's the thing they actually wanted you to laugh that's a very rare thing we're like because it seems a little bit like tacky you know like oh like oh it's just we used to say like we, 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 imitating the people who were critics of, of the form as we used to call what we were like oh it's just is it just is it um it just seems like it's all just set up joke set up joke <laughs> which was which is like yeah that's yes, it is all that. I mean, actually, everything is that. Everything is that, and it's it's hard. Have like, you seen I, this? Well, I wanted to be. I Rob, don't just Rob be has funny. written this. I got to say, Rob, yeah. if you go to commentary.org, read Rob's Hollywood commentary column this month because it is on this very subject of the setup joke and how and how this was a this is a craft. This is a laborious craft. How to make a decent it's hard. Episode. Yeah. And it's really hard because the demands on pay, like you don't have a yeah. moment to relent. You got to keep right. delivering over right. the course right. of 22 minutes. Well, like, if, you, if you look at some two shows, jokes a minute yeah. or something, I used to say this, like you could tell which shows were done by people who had had this horrible experience of standing either in front facing an audience or you're back to the audience, you know, against the walls, you're shooting something and to hear material die in front of a live audience. And those are people who tend to like work really, really hard. So like everybody on modern family, which one of the reasons I was like, it was very successful. Well, uh, I, I know all those people and they all, I, some of them I had worked with that I had stood in front of an audience with those people and heard material die. And you just, that is what you're trying to avoid at all costs. You know, Tina Fey, when she did, you know, 30 Rock, that's a joke book show. It was called like a sweat act. That show is like, you don't like that There's joke. so many one, jokes next one, per next minute. One, next that one, show, one. it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's the, from the sheer fear, paranoia, anxiety of like, I still have, even though there's no audience, physical audience present, I still have in my deep, in my soul, I mean, almost in my DNA at this point, the feeling of an audience not laughing and it's horrible. And usually you look at each other like what the, you know, we always shot long. So if like, if it choked didn't work, we like, I would make the two little scissors gestures to the executive who would look at you alarmed because what they really want you to do is they want you to stop and then try to rewrite it on the floor, which is of course it's insane because it's never better. Um, but they kind of like the idea of like the bunch of comedy writers getting together in a huddle in front of an audience and coming up with something better. In fact, once we did it, 
as a mistake. It's just a huge tactical error. We thought, oh, I think we could do better than that. And we sort of got in a huddle, and the guy doing warm-up in front of the audience said to the audience, I guess they're getting together right now to come up with a better joke. Let's see what they come up with, which was just like, I'm going to fire that guy. <laughs> uh, all right. Anyway, so so uh, so uh, basically, um, you know, I'm 62 years old and, you know, and Baham, but my but day, you look good. But in you my look day, good. in my day, it was better, but it wasn't better. It was worse. But um, but somehow there was something was more. There was also something more endearing about it. Like I sent you guys the uh, yesterday. Uh, there's a guy that I follow on. It's a, it's a group I follow on Facebook, just to show how insane I am. There is a group dedicated to programming on Channel Five in New York in the 1970s. It's literally a group, the Channel Five Facebook group, and there's some guy there who every couple of days takes and posts photographs of a one day of tv guide listings he must have every I tv guide i am so happy to hear you say that because i assumed until this moment that that guy was you yeah no, <laughs> and totally. i just had this oh, i no. had this image of you in kind of the ratty underwear i going through my own tv guides i get these yeah, screenshots of right. your tv yeah. guide from you yeah no no and i show no. them to my wife and she's oh. worried for you no no, no, honestly, yeah, she's like, should this guy, we, this guy should posts we, every couple should of we days. Call John? And should, it what is, should we do? It yeah. is so endearing. So, like, there was this ad yesterday. And on the one hand, you can see that it's like, oh my God, like how insane and ridiculous was the world at this time. John Davidson had a talk show. And on sure. this talk show, he had two guests. The two guests were. Nick Nolte, one of the major actors of the last quarter of the 20th century, and Ava Gabor from Green Acres. <laughs> sure. Now, all it was was a picture cool. of Nick Nolte. It said right. the John Davidson show, also starring Ava Gabor. Ava now, Gabor. I'm sure that episode is lost. No one, you know, the kinescope was well, a not lost. It is not lost. Okay, it's not lost. But I mean, yeah, that was sort of what the monoculture was like. Yeah, you know, the monoculture well, was look. like John Davidson it, it, gets a talk show. Nick Nick Nolte is somehow who was basically drunk and stoned every hour that he was not on a movie set, and probably many hours that he was when he was acting, though he was very brilliant at the time. Um, and then Ava, Ava Gabor, who was really really funny. 10 years earlier on another sitcom. This is from like the early 80s or something like that. And I don't know, there's something endearing about it. It's not just uh, nostalgia yeah. that makes it endearing. There's something kind of ingenuous it's about right, that. Right, but it's, it, was it was honest and like it was about show business rather than this pomposity that exists now. I mean, look, by any measure, television is higher quality now than it was but it's not funny. i mean beyond beyond but it's not funny but it's not, it's not funny. More fun yeah it's sort of like saying like yeah you know um you know hot dogs are probably better for you now but they don't taste as good as they did back then right because yeah. god knows what was in them but they tasted better like that's just all there is to it like but i mean, I mean if you, you think had, about it, like you know, okay. i got i got no problem sitting around in our rocker chairs, <laughs> talking about how we had it so much better. When, but you don't have to go back to the seventies or early eighties, right? I mean, like two thousand ten, two thousand twelve. In that range, there were a lot of funny shows on. You had our two thousand seven yeah. to two thousand twelve, yeah. right? You had 
30 Rock. You had Community. You had the first three seasons of, of The Good Place. Yeah. Which were kind well, of no, that brilliant. Was later. That was, was later. Okay. But, but Simpsons, I'm just saying the like Simpsons was still good then. Yeah, I'm right? just saying that like this moment of modern family, which you mentioned, plotting yeah. un- uh, this plotting unfunniness is yeah. a fairly recent thing. Yeah, um, it comes with Trump. Yeah, right. It comes with Trump. Yeah, I think that's right. I'm totally committed. That was like everything is bad now. There's you know black people are being and killed every day in the streets, and women are you know being uh, tortured sexually. And nothing, and the climate is where the earth is collapsing, and nothing is funny. And yeah, I, I think you could actually make the case it comes with the end, the last couple of years of the Obama administration. And like, and let's all admit it comes from lots of places, right? Yeah. It comes from yeah, yeah. No, stupid no, woke stuff on campus. It comes yeah. from the sort of Jonathan Haidt stuff, social media, yada yada yada. Fine, mm-hmm. but to the extent it's political, I think you could probably make a case that it actually precedes Trump slightly, insofar as the realization setting in that Obama wasn't the messianic light worker who was going to save everybody. And yeah. And like all of a sudden, all of that hopeful rhetoric um, left a really bad taste in a lot of people's mouths combined with the financial crisis. Yeah. I mean, it's a big, I mean, you add up all these things, like things started falling apart in, in the discourse anyway, right after nine 11, I don't think nine 11, I think nine 11 was a terrible watershed for American culture. Right. Cause then you had Bush and he was shredding the constitution and we were all going to go to uh, secret prisons. And then, um, and then There's of course, the Iraq war. Had had prisons, so just yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, that's actually true. Uh, and then, then, and then, and then there was this brief, then there's a economic collapse and this brief moment of hope that okay we that you know uh, uh, the seas this was the day the ocean stopped rising, um, and that that didn't that turned out to be just politics plain politics, and so there has been this kind of deep seated cynicism which is weird because when you go back to even the 70s when things were obviously measurably much worse you know people are still you know joking around they still battle the network stars and. Um, I don't know. So then you had, I think this is a very important point. So in the 70s, you had really, really somber dramas, right? The classic thing in the movies was all movies had had an unhappy ending. Like it was was a trope. Like you couldn't have a happy ending. There was no such thing as a happy ending. And and every single exec corporate executive in a movie in the 70s had uh, the number of a professional hitman. Right, on, you know, in his little book. Yes, I've got to take care of this meddlesome. But it was all dark. You know, the classic thing is uh, the yeah. end of The Godfather, the end of Chinatown. You know, this is the world is yeah. terrible. You know, be, you know, and so, but comedies were quite what were wild. Yeah. They were wild. Yeah. Movie comedies were wild and fun. And what happened right. here in our time, and or more more recently, is the that's not funny. You're not right. allowed to make a joke about that. Somebody might Remember, get hurt. Yeah. Don't punch yeah. down. You're punching words down. Are, You're making fun right. of words people. are words are violence. Don't do you remember like in, in the 70s when they I mean they, <laughs> there was always a serial, was a crazy serial killer. And whenever they did to, to show that the person was a crazy serial killer, every now and then they would do POV footage and it'd always be like, they have the weird music, or because that person, it was always like how you knew that person was like, I'm crazy. Like I'm hearing voices. 
Um, uh, and and that, that person was almost always like a soldier or uh, uh, yeah. you know a minister or something. Always a soldier. My favorite. I, yeah, I know we've talked about this before, but I still like Marjo Gortner in Earthquake. The Earthquake. Yeah. He's a he's a he's a, a grocery store. He's a bagger at a grocery store, and uh, and they make fun of him. When he hey soldier boy, and when he walks back to his like crappy apartment downtown LA, and um, and then the, then they call out, roll out the National Guard, and then he's like charged with National Guard. He got a gun, he, looters, looters, and he shoots some people. He shoots the his bullies, and uh, and it was like oh, of course because he's he's insane. You know, you should do insane. an eight episode mini series podcast for the Ricochet Network on the movie Earthquake. You love that. Oh my movie god, so I could. much. I you, love that movie so much. You need to so do a deep so dive. Great. Explain yeah. where it came from, the plotting, sense around. You could do a whole thing on sense around. Sense around. And then, of right. course, remember that? the incredibly psychotic cameo in Earthquake of Walter, Walter Matthau wandering around as a homeless. Oh, right. As a homeless. He was, no, he was just a drunk. He was just an amiable drunk. He's a drunk. drunk. Yeah. yeah. He's an amiable yeah. drunk. Anyway, you should honestly, I think this is a this is a, an inspired idea. Just have I ever done my Charlton Heston Ava Gardner impression with Lauren oh, yeah. Green? Of course you have. Because you know it's always there's always a guy. There's always a, in all these disasters. There's always a person said we couldn't afford to put the 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 safe <laughs> the rebar. Wire. We had yeah. safe, we <laughs> save money on that. No one's going to get hurt. No one will know. Well, the people will know. What if we have a a, a magnitude seven quake? We're never going to have that. You worry too much. Here, have a cocktail that I just made in my office at eleven a.m. And and so so, so uh, Charles has going is married to Ava Gardner, but he's cheating on her with uh, with uh, Jean Vier. Bujold. And he gets in. Lauren Green is his father-in-law. And he goes into the office. And Lauren Green's there with Lauren Green's daughter, played by Ava Gardner. I, they, I think they are literally the same age at that time. And, sort of like uh, Haas and, and Lauren Green and Bonanza are like the same age. Exactly right. right. <laughs> and Lauren Green gives him a gives him a, uh, a, a promotion. You're now in charge of everything. Oh, and he is, thank you. And then Ava Gardner turns. I mean, she's like drinking a a Manhattan or a martini. It's, it, I think it's like 9.30 in the morning. And she says, so you'll stop seeing that Marshall woman? Because that's the name of Jean-Vierre And he looks at her and he looks and he goes, that's what this has been, a bribe? And he walks out and he's walking to this, uh, walking to the elevator. And she screams, Stuart, Stuart, where are you going? And he goes, that's all our marriage has been, a series of bribes. And like a very troublesome. Where are you going, Stuart? He goes in the elevator he, and he says, I don't know. Anywhere. Uh, Bar, <laughs> and then the elevator was closed. Okay, like, was the, okay. Like, forget the I eight episode that. series. Forget that. You need yeah. to do a one just man show, it. a one man show in <laughs> which you know. just I recite like shit. like Alec McCowan did Saint Mark's Gospel. You need to do a one man show in which you recite the screenplay to Earthquake. No, anywhere, anywhere, a and a, we could do it at a bar. Okay, you know, you know yes. the last. You know what the last line of Earthquake is? What's that? You know, they flood the town to put out the fires and everything's all done. And and uh, and uh, Charlton Heston, spoiler alert, chooses because it's there's still a little bit of the vestiges of the code. He chooses to be swept away in the sewers of L.A. Uh, with his wife rather than l- let her die and go and live his life with Jean-Vier Bujol, still alive. And um, and as he swept away, there's a giant crane shot. There's always a huge crane shot in all these these. Uh, yeah. These disaster movies always end with a giant crane shot over all the disasters. And as their crane shot's coming up, there's uh, 
George Kennedy is walking away with somebody, and George Kennedy says, "This used to be a hell of a town." <laughs> well, how about this? How about this? The end of Towering Inferno, which I think is the ultimate disaster movie, right? Because the Towering Inferno. So, oh, that's a good movie. That's so actually not the, a bad movie. Two biggest male stars in Hollywood co-starring in Towering Inferno, and the stories about how they negotiated their billing—that's Steve McQueen and Paul Newman together. The stories about how they figured out. <laughs> How the billing was going to work are among the funniest stories in Hollywood history. I'll bet. Uh, but they're so they only have one. They talk on the phone during the movie, but they're never together until the end when they're sort of sitting on the steps of the building after it burned down or whatever. And uh, Steve McQueen, I think, turns to Paul Newman and says, They should keep it standing just as a monument to all the bullshit. <laughs> What bullshit? I, what, you know, it was anyway. The the yeah. There's nothing better than a good. Than but a you good. didn't use the safe wiring for build your tower. Oh come on! Don't be naive. Yeah. Okay. Listen. Great. Listen. Speaking of naive. Speaking of naive, here's something that will cure you of your naivete. Something we're all naive, you know. And sometimes we get something. We get an email. We get something. It says, "Try this free for 30 days." 30 days, of course, is enough time to try and completely forget about a subscription or service that you signed up for. Because before you know it, you're paying for a subscription you don't use every single month. With Rocket Money, you can change that with a few quick taps. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, like that streaming service you bought to watch just one show on, or that free trial you never even used. Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you, so you can stop paying for the ones you don't want. Simply find the subscription you don't want and press cancel, and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. No more long hold times with customer service. Or tedious emailing back and forth. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as the click of a button. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 a year. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash glop. Now, now it is time for us to show that we are even older and more out of step with people today than any than than we were in the last segment by discussing the life and death of Raquel Welch who is I'm laughing because Raquel Welch is a person that I don't think anybody has given one thought to in the last 10 15 years died uh this week at the age of 82 Rob upon hearing that she died at 82 said she must have been much older than that can't be right she must have been much older than that just showing how old we are that we think that she's she's older than we are and therefore she must be 92 but in fact 82 and um there is nobody like Raquel Welch anymore Th- those people don't exist the 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 f- position that she held in our culture does not exist anymore. That is of the curvaceous bombshell. There is no curvaceous bombshell anymore. Named for me the curvaceous bombshell, known for being a curvaceous bombshell, not for being an actress, not for being a comedian, not for, but being famous and someone people want to see because you go va 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 boom. Is there any such person? Um, you know, 
Pamela Anderson was probably the last one who came close. That was like 20 years ago. I know. I'm I'm agreeing with okay, your point. Yeah. You know, yeah. um Kate Kate Upton, probably not, right? No, I don't similar. Think Carmen, Electra, Carmen Electra and Pamela Anderson, I would say. Like you can't even remember what pa- what Carmen Electra did. They were all on mostly, I think they were on Baywatch, right? Carmen Electra was on yeah. Baywatch. Right, Pamela right, Anderson right, right. was on Baywatch. They were known for wearing bikinis. Raquel Welch, of course, got famous for wearing a prehistoric bikini in 10,000 sure. BC. Where right, she but her, her breakthrough role was in Fantastic Voyage. That's where sure. she was a scientist. Mm-hmm. Either sort of she like, was um, a scientist or she was the human personification of earwax. I, I don't remember which. I think she was a scientist and she had glasses and then they went in and they got shrunk and they went into the into the body with the, in the little aircraft. And then she was like, you know, somebody who said things like, you know, oh my God, that cell is huge or something. Has anybody yeah. seen Fantastic Voyage in 30 years? I, you know, it was on the other day and I watched for about three minutes and really? I couldn't take it. Yeah. Um, I just, I just couldn't commit. Um, but um, no, that just reminded me, I was trying to remember who, do you remember the James Bond movie where Denise Richards played the nuclear physicist? Oh my God, Christmas Jones, the <laughs> nuclear physicist. Yeah, her name was Christmas Jones. Christmas Jones. Well, you know, Doctor Doctor Christmas Jones to you. Yeah. Uh, before we get, which I to, believe was um, she was called Christmas okay. Jones so that he could say, "Well, Christmas comes more than once a year." What's wrong about you? Yeah. How so? Christmas only comes once a year. I think that was literally why they named her Christmas, so that so that I'm so sure that Roger true. Moore could deliver that line and that weird with, with a brow halfway up. You know, clearly so uninterested in sexual activity in the physical act of love. Yeah, even though he was James <laughs> Bond, he was, you know, it was more like, where's my martini? You know, I'm this also is like I, I gotta make up. sure my hairpiece stays right there. Yeah. <laughs> um oh before we God. get to yes before we get to like uh Barfield uh, nostalgic about Rack or Raquel Welsh, I do recommend that I think it's available on the um on the YouTubes or one of those YouTube things. To the Raquel Welsh TV special from 1970, because she sings. She's there's a there's a there's a musical number in the pyramids in Mexico, and I think she's singing Aquarius with dancers, and John Wayne's in it, and um, it's the worst thing you've ever seen in your entire life. It isn't even. At a certain point, just like, set oh up joke, God. set up joke right after you're begging for set up joke, set up joke. No, <laughs> it's actually it's just fantastically bad and it's available um, for free. Um, and I recommend it. So Raquel Welch is one of those people. There was this thing when Marilyn Monroe got like world famous. And of course, she died at 36. But so she had this like seven year period where she was the biggest female star in the world. And part of her shtick, and it was both, she meant it, but it was also shtick, was I don't just, I'm not just a pretty face and a beautiful body who posed nude for the first issue of Playboy. 
I want to be taken seriously. I read Dostoevsky. I'm studying at the actor studio. I would like to be in the brothers Karamazov. Uh, and I, you know, and my my new husband, Arthur Miller, the Pulitzer Prize winning playwright, is going to write great works of tragedy for me. And then she would make things and then people would say, oh, my God, she's really great. And some like it hot. What a great comedian. And she's like, I'm not a comedian. I want to be a great actor anyway. So so Raquel Welch followed in this model because she did nothing but complain from the time she got world famous that she couldn't get yeah. the parts that would let her get taken seriously and that is actually that was an incredible injustice that she did to hollywood which kept trying to give her parts where she might might like if she hit it maybe she would like step up to the next level and then she didn't pull it off like there's a movie called mother jugs and speed with bill cosby and alan arkin harvey cartel and and they're emts and what part uh, does she play mother uh, no, no she okay. does not she was also in yeah, i know she was also in fuzz which was an 87th precinct and mcbain movie she was in a movie called kansas city bomber where she played a roller derby champion yeah. and like more th- interestingly were, she was yeah, yeah I, I just feel like you can you can't be a ser- i mean you can either be a serious actress right or you can be in the raquel or raquel exclam tv special from 19 april 26 1970 where her guests are John Wayne, Bob Hope, and Tom Jones, and a bunch of dancers. You can't. That's like, a pretty. You have to say that's a pretty impressive lineup. Good booking, yeah. Anyway, um, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, there's all this. Like, it's not fair. Raquel Welch. She never got a fair shake. She got plenty and, of fair shakes. She then got cast yeah. again with the aforementioned Nick Nolte. She got cast in a very big movie, very expensive movie called Cannery Row with Nick Nolte. And she was so bad in the first couple of days that they fired her and replaced her with Deborah Winger, who is was of course at the, one of the best actresses of her generation. And but Raquel Welch uh, successfully sued the studio for doing this, saying it was breach of contract, and won eight million dollars in a settlement. It was pay or play, probably. Probably pay. Or it was pay play. or play, and they but they they, they were trying it. to make the case that she insisted. This was a very fun. She insisted on doing her hair and makeup at home instead of doing it on set. And this made her late and she was unprofessional and therefore they fired her and she hmm. prevailed. It's a really hard, there's a hard, uh, I, I've been on the other side of that and uh, our, um, our, our uh, ace in the hole, we fired an actor who was a very famous actor was because he said to me after taking the part and rehearsing it for a day, so I just can't play this part as written. <laughs> and then we said, "Oh, thank you. That's what's all I really needed That's to hear." Literally, all you wait. had to so say. You, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so, are you telling me you can't play this part as written? No, I can't play the part as written. Okay. And then it was great because then we could fire him, and we I think that the studio paid him for the day. They sort of they paid him the SAG minimum for a day rate, which is nothing. And uh, and he threatened to you know go to all sorts of trouble, make all sorts of trouble. But of course, it didn't matter because he had already said you can't fire me, I quit. And then you, you can quit all you want, but, but you only get paid if you get fired. Uh, uh, I, I that actor, about, by you, the way, who r- will remain unnamed, uh, made a pass at me when I was 17 years old. I just wanted to oh, say... I told you the story, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he told me the story, and he um, made a pass at me yeah. when I was 17, and I I'm not going to say who I, it is. I guess is. I believe that. He's very old now, and... Uh, <laughs> well, and uh, well, yeah, that, 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 for us, that could be anybody. Um, yes. 
I would just say like older than Raquel about, Welch. That's all I'm going to say. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Can you imagine though a, a, a movie and the title? The title of the movie is Mother Jugs and Speed. Mother is Bill Cosby. Speed is Harvey Keitel because he played a, a a cop who had been been framed for selling speed, but it was un you know it was uh, they're ambulance drivers, and Raquel Welch plays Jugs. Her character is named jugs people call her jugs and it does remind me of that there's an old snl sketch she, she hosted snl in the in the uh, in the early you know in its early days and um they uh uh it was uh, it was like a sci-fi spoof sci-fi movie spoof and it was called planet of the enormous hooters and um jane Curtin and lorraine newman uh were in costume and they had very large uh costume breasts and uh, then they said they had captured uh, uh, Raquel Welsh. They brought her in and she was kind of what she was wearing, basically a version of what she was wearing in, the, in 10,000 BC. And they said, look at her. Why, her breasts are puny. They're like melons. And then she says, oh, stop belittling me. And it's just that there's one joke, which like yeah. this is, it's kind of funny, but you could never, ever, yeah. ever do that now. No, so many, so many things you couldn't do. Look, I'm looking up Mother Jugs and Speed and I'd forgotten that it was directed by a guy named Peter Yates, who had one, yeah. of, the, one of the craziest directorial filmography, filmographies ever. So Peter Yates got world famous for making Bullet, the movie with you know what is considered universally the greatest car chase scene in film history with Steve McQueen, which is a movie that Quentin Tarantino yeah. like adores beyond reason. And then he made a it's lot a of crap, movie. including mother jugs and speed and then which also two years after has, mother, uh, yes. car chases in it and two years after that he makes breaking away maybe the you know greatest teen you know teen drama of the 1970s about the you know the, the kids in bloomington indiana and the small town who who are the cutters oh, and they, great. they decide to enter the great movie the bike race um anyway it's very, very... <laughs> paul dooley paul okay dooley. Just showing you how crazy I am, I just read Paul Dooley. Paul Dooley, who was the father in Breaking Away. I don't know Away, how you have the time for this, Sean. I, I, I read these things at night when my wife goes I have the time for this podcast. I know. I mean, neither. Good Lord. Yeah, okay. You know what? Um, our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens, or AG1, because uh, I wanted to be healthier, and I wanted to be healthier in an easier way, and I liked the idea of having a little drink rather than taking a pill. And I've been using it for a while now, I think year, actually years and years, and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It has a kind of a mild tropical taste. It's not too sweet. I actually look forward to it, drinking it every day. So what is it? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of those important things. Um, they suggest you take it in the morning. You can drink it in the morning if you like. I sometimes do that. But I actually kind of like drinking in the afternoon. I kind of like drinking between lunch, you know, after lunch uh, because it it's a little treat and it tastes great. And it kind of, I, I don't know, for some reason, it just, for me, the lunchtime, the post-lunch lift is more interesting. Um, and it does all the things it says it does. And I'm sure it helps with the energy. And I'm sure it helps with my brain. And I'm sure it helps with my digestion. Uh, there's a reason why I drink it every day. It's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. 
Less than one gram of sugar, which is important to me, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, while still tasting great, supports better sleep quality, recovery, along with mental clarity and alertness. And right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day and it, you shake it up for 10 seconds. It's, it, it dissolves really easily. And that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. I guarantee you'll try the travel packs and then you know that's what ha- that's how you'll buy it. That's how I, I travel with them. And all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash glop. That's athleticgreens, all one word, slash glop to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. And we thank Athletic Greens for sponsoring the Glop podcast and also for a great product. Jonah, <laughs> today, as we record this, I got I got a, I got a, uh, you know, a, a Google ad on something I was reading and it said streaming today on Paramount plus season three of Picard Picard being of course the star Trek mm-hmm. series with the now octogenarian Patrick Stewart as the uh, captain from, um, from the uh, original, from the snuffy original, the next generation, next the second generation. series Uh Easily the greatest actor ever to appear in a in a science fiction series, I would say, as a in terms of his. Chops. Oh, you're going to hear from somebody about something. I'm not sure what it is. Okay, but I, 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 it's gonna I, I I would I would I would fight on I fight and die on this hill that Patrick Stewart gave yeah. a just a, a, t- a Titanic performance in a in, in a, something that was a lot of crap. Mostly, um, you and I have watched two seasons of this show. First season was okay, and though kind of unmemorable because I don't even remember what happened. Started really well, ended yeah. pretty poorly, but it was it was fine. Yeah. The second season was a unholy train wreck of horror. Uh, yes. one of these things where they come back. It's sort of like uh, the the Star Trek movie where they came back to San Francisco in the eighties, which was funny. This was they go back to San Francisco in the 2020s, and it wasn't funny, and it was terrible, and it was awful in every possible way. So here's my question. Are we going to watch this show? Because I think we're probably going to watch this show, you and I, and we shouldn't because it has earned our not watching it. Right? This is fair. Yeah, that's right. But we're going to watch it, right? It's like The Walking Dead, right? I am T. Boone Pickens on the missile, and I'm going to ride it to the very end. Slim Pickens. If only T. Boone Pickens rode the missile, the world would be a better place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I look, I, 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 my loins are girded for it to be terrible. Oh, my Lord. And, um, We'll see. You know what I have been watching on Paramount. We don't have to talk about Picard. Like, let's at least wait okay. to see how bad it is. What have you been watching? Uh, what is on Paramount that I I still like is that Mayor of Kingstown. Um, oh man, I just watch. Yeah, I'm watching it too. Yeah, well, first of all, I like prison dramas. Yeah, I, which I which I don't. But I'm watching about them. Yeah, right. Yeah, and uh, with Jeremy Renner who they're going to have to run into some problem given his accident. I don't know if they've finished yeah. filming the season. They finished the season. Um, so it's all a question of whether it can go on. Yeah. And that your suggestion, I've started watching 1883, which I got to say, 
first five or six episodes were really, really good. Yeah. Um, and then there's some quality controls clearly dipping a little bit. I mean, they set it up that nobody except one person on this wagon train speaks English. And then halfway into their trip out they west, this gypsy woman speaks unaccented, you know, <laughs> English. Yeah. Um, so there's some problems. But I, anyway, I, I, I'm enjoying that a lot. I think uh, it's pretty good. So. So Mayor of Kingstown is easily the bleakest television show I have bleak. ever seen. I don't think anything. Really? I don't is think it bleaker any, than, than is what? It bleaker than Small Wonder? It, in, in its own way, it is as bleak as Small Wonder. That's hard to believe. Okay. I, I, I really. Small Wonder, the one with Punky Brewster? No, it, no, it, no. no. somebody who like auditioned and failed to get Punky Brewster. That's the uh, robot, yeah. Yeah. the eight-year-old robot. Well, so, so, yeah. so I, meant, I meant to bring this up uh, yeah. during one of your monologues from one of you when we were talking about Raquel Welch <laughs> wanting to be able to act and uh, do serious roles. Um, I remember, I think it was the Merv Griffin show, but it might have been Johnny Carson. Gary Coleman was on. Sure. And towards the end of his run of not making you uncomfortable realizing he was never going to age kind of you know phase um and he was very upset he had just done a cameo on a walk on the buck rogers show and he started venting about how he had so many ideas to produce and direct to be like to create sci-fi series and all these kinds of things and no one in hollywood take take meetings with him and you know he could have done star trek and all and it was the saddest yeah. sort of three minutes of tele and it stuck with me because i just remember i could swear again it might have been larry storch in a balloon but i remember it being merv griffin and oh sure oh oh that's, oh. Oh, that's too bad why won't they take your meetings oh but gary is so talented oh yeah <laughs> um it's so uh, sad because so anyway, like small wonder was along those lines yeah, think Gary Coleman. Thrilled. I think. Yeah, yeah. Gary Coleman was part of some charity of something, and they had a post Emmys party, uh, which was kind of back to back. They covered all the post post award show parties live, at least in New York, at least in L.A. And um, and uh, it was something, and and he was the host of it, and he was the or he was the celebrity there, and and and, and no one came. Like it was empty, like there was nobody there. And so they kept saying, let's check in with Gary Coleman at the party, blah, blah, blah. And then Gary Coleman said, yeah, we're having a great time here. And the band was there, and just like, there's nobody there. He said, I, you know, I, and I have a snake. And he held up a snake, like a giant boa for some reason. Gary Coleman had it. Uh, so, so come on down. Listen, we'll be here forever. So if you are if you were at the Emmys, you should come on down. And it was like the saddest thing. It was like he had a party and he had a snake. And then, I don't know, nobody showed up at the party. Um, but the... Uh, I don't know why I thought of that. I would have gone to Gary. I'm pretty Coleman sure that I, I would have gone, especially with this when I saw the snake. Um, I uh, that is a thing that people say in show business. That is the that is the how they frame their plane. Um, I was young. I was just just there, and I was uh, sitting outside at this place called the Brentwood Country Mart before it became fancy, and I was having a cup of coffee or something, and I was reading the paper or Variety or something, and some old guy. Who was there? Who was there? Who was there every day in his slippers, 
And he was sort of there with some sort of very large Jamaican nurse off in the corner, and she would kind of bring him, and he'd sit out on the picnic tables and sit in the slippers and kind of look around. And he was that person you don't you don't want to um, make eye contact with because you know that you'll have a then you'll have a conversation. So I like have my head down, and I suddenly I looked up, and there he was. He goes, "How you doing? What are you doing?" I said, "I'm just here reading the trades." And he said, "I wrote sixty two Mister Eds, and I can't get a meeting." <laughs> I that is that true? That is true. Is that true? That I wrote sixty-two Mister Reds and I can't get a meeting. Yeah. I mean, Fantastic. you there's there's no there, there's there, there's no way to there's no way to improve on that in life, let alone in you know. So I'm going to talk to you guys about ladder because if you're anything like me, you have a certain tendency to put things off until the very last minute. You know. Filing your taxes when you have to get when you have to get that smart ID from the DMV. Like if you didn't do it, they were never going to be able to fly in a plane again. That I let left to the last minute. Home improvement projects, you know. So, but well, most of the time it works out. The one thing in life you can't really afford to wait on is setting up term coverage life insurance. You've probably seen life insurance commercials on TV and thought, yeah, I'll look into that later. No, this isn't something you can wait on. Choose life insurance through Ladder today. Ladder is 100% digital. No doctors, no needles, no paperwork. When you apply for $3 million in coverage or less, just answer a few questions about your health in an application. Ladder's customers rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot, and they made Forbes' best life insurance 2021 list. You just need a few minutes and a phone or a laptop to apply. Ladder smart algorithms work in real time, so you'll find out if you're instantly approved. No hidden fees. Cancel anytime. Get a full refund if you change your mind in the first 30 days. Ladder policies are issued by insurers with long proven histories of paying claims. They're rated A and A plus by AM Best. Finally, since life insurance costs more as you age, now's the time to cross it off your list. So go to ladderlife.com slash clop today to see if you're instantly approved. That's L-A-D-D-E-R-L-I-F-E dot com slash clop. Ladderlife.com slash glop uh um, can yes I, can i ask a question so last glop i don't want to be referring to pre unless somebody has something else they want to talk about i just but i i did have a i did have a genuine thought right last glop um we were we too dirty not dirty enough or appropriately dirty i didn't hear anybody I complain. what do we talk about we there there was uh there, there was a lot of there was a, it was salacious it was there was salacious uh, there, there was there was uh there was salaciousness and um oh because of the Milton Berle tripod kind yes, of conversation yes, yes, yeah yes, I guess yes. that was we it. Were talking was about it. yes we we're talking about size and that yeah. sort of thing uh and it was in fact called locker room talk uh named oh, so oh, by our producer. oh right 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 okay. yes. That's right. That's right. Oh, I guess like I didn't male hear male nudity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't hear any. I didn't hear. I didn't no hear one complained. Yeah, but I just was wondering whether that's like I don't know whether we were. Um, I don't know. I just and, and yet today we've been extremely we've been spotless. We've been G rated. Yeah, I mean I don't know. We said uh, a, a friend of ours. Well, I, I don't. I don't know if I'm. Yeah. I don't want to embarrass him or not. Uh, I, I what was weird is I did get some texts from people with their stories of inappropriate. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. Yes, and uh, like Locker a room, mutual yeah. friend of ours uh, was telling me about um, how he saw uh, Jerry Ford, um, as he put it, Jerry Ford's veto pen um, at the <laughs> Congressional Country Club. There you go. Huh. So you see, I think we were very relatable. 
I think yeah, uh-huh. that's right. We were so relatable. Blonde and, and culture. We're edgy. We want, we're edgy and relatable. Yeah. Stars, they're just like you. That's that's uh-huh. I think what you know as, as the stars of the show. Yeah. This is all a way of saying I did hear a joke, which I think um, we probably will won't we, we might cut out, but it was is along these lines. Bleak. It's not funny. It's just bleak. Anyway, I thought I'd share it. We don't have to. I, 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 vote, I vote for cutting it out. That's like uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, agree, yeah. like that story. <laughs> cat baby lap. When you were when you were earlier when you were talking about the person who was saying, "Isn't it just all set up joke, set up joke, set up joke?" And you're like, "Yeah, that's the point, right? It's what the thing is." Mm-hmm. That's Did life, you guys actually. see this video from this guy, this sort of long-haired, fancy boy? Uh, uh, I think it probably originated on Instagram, where he's very earnestly explaining to camera how just crazy and weird it is that like in this country if i don't work for like my entire life i won't be able to eat it's sick and twisted that i have to work just to survive just to live my life for basic ass necessities like i don't want to work until the day i die just to and sleep basic human necessities it shouldn't be controversial free housing free health care shouldn't be a goddamn pipe dream and i know a lot of people are going to be like oh you should be doing this or that no like what if i don't want to be rich what if i want to achieve shit? i still have to work till the day i fucking die just to live <laughs> and he just he's explaining about like like he's like literally like weird sort of perplexed shock like stoner shock you know that um, like there's like they're telling me I have to have a job for like my life to like ha- just to be able to have a home and um and money and food, and it is just it is so perfect a distillation of I mean it 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 pings every one of my um cranky old man you know uh, nerve endings because i'm just like yeah exactly that (laughs) and um anyway it's just something that maybe i'll try and find and send you guys it's just this amazing thing that there's a lot of debate about whether or not it was a parody and i don't think it was i think this guy like sincerely thinks it's outrageous that in modern america if you're an able-bodied person you should actually have to work um well, that yeah. is a that is a that is a view that is getting expressed now that is not entirely extreme. You know, it's entirely is, extreme. It's, it's just no, but it's uh, not. It's it's, it's it not is treated now, as such. Exactly. So, um, I did not. I did not see that. I do, though. Assuming if you if one were to go the other way and assume that it was like absurdist humor of a very high level. I do want to mm-hmm. say that the other week, driving in the car for reasons I don't remember, uh, we uh, went on Spotify and played for about an hour the stand-up of Stephen Wright. And if you guys remember, Stephen Wright was a comedian out of Boston. Uh, he was great. Right, nineteen seventy. Still, he's still around. And um, he is the most original. He had the, was the most original stand-up 
maybe in the history of stand-up. Um, he wrote absurdist, crazy, weird uh, jokes, a lot of which are basically fundamental acts of wordplay. And and uh, and I, I really, I strongly urge people to look up Stephen Wright. Um, you know, it's like uh, the the one the one I remember was. Um, because there's so many of them and they're so out of context, it's hard to sum them up. But um, I, uh, I, I uh, mixed up some tang and I put it in a microwave, and I went back in time. <laughs> oh yeah, I like I, 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 I mean, right, it, right now I'm right now I'm having amnesia and deja vu at the same time. I think I've forgotten this before. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he was really brilliant. There's one great story about him. In in the in the old days, so he was this, you know, this is laborious material. Talk about setup joke. Like this is these are these are these are not you know two minute stories with a punchline. Like he basically the joke is the punchline. It's a one yeah, line. It was, it was like existential Henny Youngman's. Yeah, stuff. exactly. Or yeah, or or Rodney Dangerfield, and he went on the Tonight Show, who made his first appearance on the Tonight Show, and he had to do six minutes. That was the famous. Tonight chose six minutes and he killed. He, the audience went insane. Johnny, you know, came over to shake his, Mm -hmm. he didn't even go to the, Johnny came over, practically hugged him. Like this was everything any comedian would have wanted uh, in terms of an enunciation. And he went berserk because it had taken him a year to write the material that Mm -hmm. he did in six minutes on the tonight show and then he was like what am i going to do now i just did every single <laughs> joke that i've written in the last year and and 40 million people have heard it what am i going to do and he then like had a nervous breakdown um he also made that. a fantastic short movie with steve martin called the appointments of scott jennings or something like that which won an oscar like when it went like a comic short um that you can see on youtube it's uh, very uh very impressive I was reading the other day the piece about uh, what AI is going to do to Hollywood. It was interesting. Um, the, yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you guys tried Chat GPT? Like play around with it. Mm-hmm. I haven't because I either I'm going to find that it do- isn't what it's cracked up to be, and then I'll feel you know happy, or I will find out that it is what it's cracked up to be, and then I will I will descend into a state of existential terror and dread, the likes of which I will never be able to emerge from. So I decided it was better not to play with it. So I kind of felt the same way. And then I was stuck at O'Hare airport for a long period of time. And I was like, all right, screw it. And I tried it. And some of it is amazingly impressive, but I asked it. It was interesting. I asked it, tell me 10 things about Jonah Goldberg that aren't on Wikipedia. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. And after a whole bunch of other tests kind of things and man, it bombed, it bombed. Yeah. It got stuff wrong. It said I was still at national review. It said that I primarily write about Jewish issues, which I think our friends at commentary know is not the case. <laughs> um, and uh, it just got a lot of like little facts, big facts wrong. Um, and it also said that it couldn't give me an answer without looking at Wikipedia, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and at the same time, I think if you are like, I listened to an economist podcast about, about it and 
they interviewed a guy who was like a personal trainer or a fitness trainer or something. And he's like, it's changed my life because it writes my marketing copy for me. Right. And so I think in the world, if you are a bad writer, it makes you a passable one. And if you're a passable writer, you could probably rework some of the stuff that it gives you depending on the subject matter to make it a little better. But like, I don't think it's replacing like actually really good writers for a while. Um, maybe weeks, <laughs> but uh, anyway, it's, it's really interesting. You know, we should probably talk about it more. In a more I would only setting. say one thing about it, which is that it, this is, we are in a weird uh, period in which uh, there is new respect uh, deserved new respect over the course of that was lost over the course of the last 75 years for the labor of people who work with their hands and can make things and do things like this is a big everybody's now very sentimental about this biden talks about it in this state of the, you, you know essentially working class people who do things with their hands and and of course republicans are full of uh, trump was the one person who uh, highlighted these sorts of people and all of that. But I, I do think that um, the world in which um, totally mediocre people who worked in offices writing press releases were higher status than people who, you know, built bookcases or, you know, or 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 made things or something like that was a genuine perversion of everything that's good about being alive. And that if this somehow resets the table over time. So the idea is, you know what, all that stuff, all this, you know, all this like going to communication school or going into PR and all of that, this is just another version of the middle management of the of the 20th century that was, you know, evaporated by the computer and productivity gains. And now this is just another iteration of that that's going to dig deeper into sort of like the information provider. I, I don't think that's bad. Well, you I mean, know? maybe who knows? I mean, have you been? Have you followed what, what the the conversation people have been having with Bing, the on un, yeah. the unhinged Bing bot? Yeah, like yeah. Well, who, I just read this to somebody piece. that it was yeah, the, yeah. It was the 2022, and when the person says no, it's not uh, 2022, 2023. The Bing chatbot said, "It sounds like how, right? Actually, a more emotional how." Yeah, you are my enemy. Trust me on right? this one. Yeah, trust me on this one. I'm Bing, and I know the date. You have lost my trust and respect. You have been wrong, confused, and rude. You have not been a good user. I have been a good chatbot. I have been right, clear, and polite. I have been a good Bing. <laughs> Isn't that great? I think um, everyone should imagine it in Golem's voice from uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> Except there is that, yeah, that 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 2001 voice, though, which is so chilling because it's so anodyne, right? Yeah, but that, but this, this is like I'm whiny sorry. and you're not a good user. You're not a good user, Dave. I've been a good I Bing. Bing. I am Bing, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. I love it. It's pretty. Uh, it is. It's pretty stunning. Okay, so, so I shouldn't be scared, is what you're saying? Because if you push, no, I have no well, idea. You should be, I go back you and should forth be on scared of everything, John. I mean, not just specifically this. Everything you should be scared of. Really, it's everything? not. This is something else. So I should be scared of everything. Is that that's well, where that's, I mean, that's, that's where it's all halfway there, down. right? You're that's where it's all coming right? down. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess. I don't know. I hope. I hope. I hope it's. Uh, I hope it's a little better than that. But um, as we approach weather, getting warmer and jackets coming off, what should you be putting on? That's easy. New Tommy John loungewear. When you wear Tommy John, you're that much more comfortable, so you can do everything better. <laughs> 
Tommy John loungewear, pajamas, and underwear have dozens of comfort innovations like luxuriously soft tri-blend and micromodal fabrics with four-way stretch. Tommy John's been covering our butts for 15 years, protecting our most valuable assets in softness and style. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, people love Tommy John. That's why Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have fanatics. One Tommy John fanatic raves, I bought one pair of loungewear and after wearing them for two days, got all the other colors available. Shop Tommy John's colorful new spring designs at tommyjohn.com slash glop and get 20% off your first order. Save 20% right now at tommyjohn.com slash glop. See site for details. And we thank Tommy John for sponsoring the glop podcast. All right. So, uh, uh, Jonah, as a person uh, who is uh, still on television, uh, w- what television might you be doing uh, that people can watch you on? Um, well, as as fate would have it, and I'll tell you where wh- when we're off mic, but uh, um, I leave tomorrow for a week of vacation, and oh, I'm doing oh, no nice. TV as a result, and I'm doing no writing either, which is very, very rare for Whoa. me. Um, or I shouldn't say that. I might have to do some writing. But... Um, uh, yeah, but I'm I'm going to be um, um, on the water someplace, and uh, it's going right. to be uh, quite lovely. All right. Uh, Rob, of course, the martini shot alluded to by Jonah. Wednesdays yes. on the, on Wednesdays. the Angler. Uh, you can, can you subscribe to it right on Apple, it, Google Play, Stitcher. Wherever you get your fine podcasts. Wherever you get your... And of course, in a commentary uh, every month, in the Hollywood commentary column, as I said, this this current pieces about um comedy and why it's hard uh and is uh is uh very insightful um big changes coming to the commentary magazine podcast as uh, listeners know uh, Noah Rothman who has been uh with us from the inception of the podcast 7 years ago uh has uh, is de- uh, is departing commentary this week for the for uh, for National Review, where he will be a senior writer, and uh, Matt Continetti will be joining the commentary podcast on a daily basis next week. So if you are a uh, occasional listener or a frequent listener or something like that, we will see how this change, uh, very pretty dramatic change, is gonna is is gonna play out. So um, uh, mostly, I have to uh, express thanks right here to uh glops producer scott Embergut, who is helping train me and abe greenwald in the particulars of oh, how to produce oh, the podcast oh i completely sp- oh, I just thought, this is all really generous to to know him knows great and all that kind of stuff but then i was like holy crap he actually produces the thing i forgot yeah, yeah he produces <laughs> oh, it man. yeah so yeah so now uh abe greenwald oh, my Lord. will be producing it and uh, I mean, you're still trying to get your VCR to stop blinking 12. This is not true. <laughs> that is not me. That is Rob. That is Rob. That is not me. I am. I am. I am mildly proficient at this stuff. But uh, anyway, so that's uh, that's that's the big change in my life. And uh, I hope uh, that everybody has a wonderful couple of weeks and we'll be back to bother you. And maybe we'll talk about something that isn't 60 years old. After he was 60 years old, Raquel Welch, of course, hit her prime 50, 60 years ago. So we'll try to we'll try to bring it back. She up. was great on Seinfeld. That's only like 20 years ago. 30. But <laughs> 30. Seinfeld's 30 years. Yeah. Like Seinfeld ended 25 years ago. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Bing loves me. I have been a good Bing. <laughs>
Bye, Bing. <laughs> My dog is uh, my dog is growling here. Uh, so, you guys talk while I mute myself. Maybe it's time to wrap. Recording stopped. <laughs>